You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. With the 20th pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the New York Giants select Kadarius Toney, wide receiver, Florida. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Grump, I I can't worry about football right now. You know, I have the worst college football team in the history of mankind right now in the Gators. I have a Giants team that's not making the playoffs. But I can't worry because in 48 hours, Grump, I will be in Hawaii for a week's vacation. And that's all I'm looking forward to right now. You flip flop between gloating and sheer misery. That's 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 your. It's funny because I know you in reality, but on this show, I think those are the two things: is gloating and then just the pits. That's all. That's all I can do. I, I mask my misery with superficial trips and ways to just make myself feel good to numb the pain. And seven days on a beach will make me forget all about the dumpster fire in Gainesville and the. We say the smoldering fire right now in the Meadowlands. I don't know if it's a full the, the a kindling. Full-blown, yeah, I wouldn't say it's a full blown forest fire where you know you could see the smoke for a hundred miles away, but there's definitely you know embers. Little embers. We'll call it the ember season right now. But that that all the beaches in the world couldn't fit that Lombardi Trophy sized hole in your heart, cranky fan. <laughs> I don't know where you're going with that one, but no, uh, I'm just saying. You take as many vacations as you want; you'll still be the cranky fan until there's I, I, a Lombardi. I, you know the thing, Grump is. Uh, I'm actually going next Friday from Maui directly to Gainesville for the Florida State game, and talk about going, you know, from the penthouse to the outhouse, having to deal with <laughs> that. I mean, the game is a noon game after Thanksgiving, unlike ESPN 16. It, 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 one time this was the marquee game in college football. Now it's literally who cares. But uh, unfortunately, I like to take a beating on myself, and uh, you know. But that's still that's a week away, and we'll. I'm sure nobody cares. But uh, yeah, I was gonna say I'll tell you who cares. No one listening to this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, you don't have to worry about the Giants too much this week. The Giants are off. They're they're getting back to practice uh, today, actually, or I guess yesterday. Um, oh, actually, you're listening to this two days ago on Monday. Um, what is this? Yes, we're recording yeah, this on a Tuesday. Right yeah, now. yeah, I'm all screwed up. Um, so the Giants are getting back to practice. We had a nice day off on Sunday. I had a nice day off on Sunday. And uh, I, pff, the, the local market for me was the Jets game, which I don't think really counts as a game. Um, you know something? We need to have a GoFundMe page to get you the Sunday ticket because this is ridiculous. <laughs> you know, someone is, you know, as smart as you are in football and such a football savant, to be forced to watch that drudgery, that shambastic nonsense that is the New York Jets. I, everybody, everybody listen to this show, kick in a dollar, and let's get the grump the Sunday ticket because this has to stop. <laughs> no, well, thank you. Um, I mean, that, you know, we talk about down in the dumps, the Giants haven't had a game. Even the Rams game wasn't quite that bad. I mean, Mike White was just pretty much handing the ball off to the other team. <laughs> that was a that was a rough game. And even when they did things right, it would end in a fumble at the very end of it or something. Mike Mike White is not an NFL quarterback. Mike White, 
He's not even the best Mike White in sports because <laughs> the, the University of Florida basketball coach's name is Mike White, and we just beat Florida State on Sunday. And I promise no more Florida talk the rest of this episode. I promise you. But He's lying. Um, yeah, I mean, Mike White, the quarterback, is not an NFL quarterback. He had a nice game in a emergency spot where nobody had any film on him, and he took some people by surprise. But you know, they are not the Jets are not going back on a decision with the second row overall draft because the guy had one good game once and he's regressing back to what we kind of think he is is a is a clipboard holder so (laughs) it was a fun little run for him but you know the jets are still the jets and what they should do is they're all in with their quarterback and play him see if he's worth it you know you have three years on a rookie deal to see if this you know if if zach wilson is worth the investment or they want to invest further Again, it's, it's not that much different than Daniel Jones, where it's like people are making these decisions about guys after two games and three games. Like, the draft pick's a bust. He's never going to be anything. A, you know, most of the people listening to this show, you guys know from the old days, where rookie quarterbacks didn't play. They I was going to say, I, I think you could make a compelling case to sit Zach Wilson just because he came out of BYU. And, and, and the deficiency... No, I don't want to say the deficiencies, but where he's not up to snuff with other quarterbacks that we draft in the one-two range. You know what I mean? Like he's a perfect case that you could say, you know what? Forget his, con- just let him sit on the bench. And they even had Flacco, so like, yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I guess they didn't have Flacco from the beginning, but they brought it. They brought him in when he got hurt, I think. Yeah, but I mean, like they could have brought in any random vet quarterback for him to just sit back and learn and run the offense and practice and that kind of thing. And I think you can I mean, make a good case for that. I remember when I was living down in Tampa, um, the year they drafted Vinny Testaverde. And um, this is after they got rid of uh, Steve Young, which is one mm-hmm. of the more brilliant moves in NFL history. But they had Steve DeBerg, who was, you know, he was a journeyman quarterback who just bounced around the league. And that first year, Vinny sat. He did not play. And Steve DeBerg took his lumps. The team was awful, but they were not ready to throw him into the fire when he was on a very, very bad team with no offensive line and no weapons around him. I mean, I know that the thing now is that, you know, get these guys playing as fast as possible, but if they're not ready, you may be stunting their growth. So, and again, but the Jets don't seem like they have a plan with anything. So who knows what they're ultimately thinking. Yeah, well, I'm more concerned about the Giants looking a lot like this next year. So, uh, on, um, I don't know, what was that? Friday morning, uh, we released an episode. It was uh, me and Victor Perez from the Just a Giants fan podcast. And we kind of looked at what this team is looking at at the end of this year in terms of, I mean, every year you build a new roster, essentially, right? I mean, what level you have to build it to is, you know, that's you know the state of your team, um, and the Giants are at the state now where they really don't have a lot of money, yeah, and they don't Giants. have a lot of ways to get money to to fill in the gaps that happen at the end of every season. The Giants are in a very tough spot right now where they have to be just as concerned as their financial restrictions as they are actually building a franchise and building a a playoff contending roster, and that's a and that sometimes means addition by subtraction or steps back before you can move forward mm-hmm. um it's what makes the league great it makes every you know it gives everybody a chance every year to kind of get to the you know 
the medium point where everybody has a, a potential to be good at some point. But it also, if you don't manage your cap well and you don't make prudent decisions, there is a day of reckoning. And unfortunately, once again, the Giants find themselves in a day of reckoning at the end of this offseason. Yeah, um, and one of the things that we started with last time, which we just kind of assumed without really getting into much discussion, was that there would be a new GM um, at the end of the season. So, you know, we didn't really get into that, and I don't want to make this like a massive debate, but it should at least be talked about. I mean, for starters, um, do you think that Dave Gettleman will be the GM for the 2022 season? I do not. Um, I think if Dave Gettleman was... 10 years younger and was, you know, in better overall health than he is now. I mean, now he's, he's recovering from, from cancer and all that stuff, but he's an older guy now. I think if he was a younger guy and he still had, you know, more of his career to look forward to, I think he'd be back next year. I think because he's getting up in age, you know, he's talked about, you know, he's talked about life after football. Um, this team isn't on the verge of making a major playoff run. I think you're going to get the, you know, the mutual decision that he will retire after this year because the Giants do not fire GMs. They've fired one in the last like 40 years, and that was a GM that had won a Super Bowl. I mean, think about it. You know, George Young retired, Ernie Corsi retired. Um, so I think he's going to retire. I don't retire. I so let's for our discussion's sake assume there will be a new GM who has control of this team when we talk about the draft, free agency, trades, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think I think he air quotes retires at the end of the year. Um, it's interesting. You think that if he were younger, uh, he'd be back next year. Um, I I think he'd get a pass. I I think that between. Again, lingering effects from last year with COVID, I think the tremendous amount of injuries this year, I think those are, and this is, you know, the Giants traditionally are a very patient franchise. I know they've been pulling the trigger pretty quickly on head coaches in the last couple of cycles, but for GMs, they're very patient and they don't like to upset the apple cart as much as they have to. And I think he would be on notice maybe. But I think he would – I really do think if he was a younger guy and he was as committed to his career. You know, it's not just the Giants saying, well, he's – you know, not – it's not purely on their side. I think it's on his side as well. So that that's why I think that. Yeah, that's fair. I, I mean I think it's up to de- for debate. I think, I think it could – I think you could make a case um, and it's not necessarily – uh, hinged on the rest of the season production, uh, though I do think if if people came back healthy and remained healthy for the rest of the year and this team actually looked pretty good, I think that strengthens the case that he'd be back next year. Just because you'd be kind of getting a glimpse at the roster he actually tried to create. Um, but, but I, I, I think even then, you could you could make an argument that he should still be fired at the end of the year. So, but here's here's the, the point, Grump. It's you know, and we're gonna get into this discussion in a minute. Even if this team starts getting healthier and healthier and healthier, and this team with an easier schedule wins, let's say they go, what, what is there, eight games left, seven games left? I don't know. Um, let's, say there, let's say there's eight. Seven, there's eight there's games eight, left. And let's say this team goes five and three. 
to, mm-hmm. to end out the season. So that means they're going to be, you know, add on what they've done in the last couple of weeks. Eight and nine. They'd be eight and nine. The problem is, which we're going to talk about, is this roster probably is going to take a step back because of what they're going to have to do to prune money off of the salary. Well, not necessarily, but yes. I mean, it, it, th- this all depends on, um, you know, what they do in the offseason because, yes, we'll, we'll, this is perfect. We'll, we'll get right into this. So um, there's going to be some spots here. Forget about the pruning to begin with. Just the the over-the-cap roster right now is broken. I mean, I, I mean – the over-the-cap roster, I'll just kind of go through it. So our def- our, our safeties would be McKinney, Love, and Logan Ryan. Outside corners, uh, Adoree Jackson, James Bradbury, Rodarius Williams. The You know, your inside slot corners are going to be Aaron Robinson, Darnay Holmes. You know, your off-ball linebackers are going to be Blake Martinez, Tay Crowder, Carter Coughlin, Hilliard. Your edge guys are going to be Roche, Ellerson Smith, Ojolari, Ziminis, Cam Brown, I guess, technically. Uh, and then your defensive line guys are Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, and Raymond Johnson. I mean, right off the bat, those three defensive linemen, okay, fine. Those are good starters. There's no depth back there. Those edge guys, that that's a shambles of a room. I mean, you got you, you got something growing there with Ojolari for sure, definitely. But Roche, I mean, he, he looks rotational at best. I mean, he's, he's definitely come on. He's an effective player. But should he be starting a majority of snap, snaps? It, Probably it, it, not. Is he starting on a good defense? Yeah, well, there's that too. Probably not. Um, and you know, who knows what Blake Martinez is coming back from a serious injury? Exactly. Those outside corners. I mean, there's no depth there. Rodarius Williams also coming off a serious injury, but also a like sixth round rookie. You know what I mean? So yeah. On top of all that, and then our safeties. I feel pretty good with McKinney, Ryan, and Love. I think that's a pretty good. It's not great, but I mean that Julian Love, if he has to come in for a couple games, I, I feel like you can work with that. What's Ryan's uh, cap story going forward? Let me tell you. Just give me a moment. Logan Ryan is he is a twelve million dollar cap hit next year with an eleven million dollar dead hit. So he is not a candidate to be cut. Because okay. they pretty much only save a million bucks. However, the 2023, that's his out year. It's a $12 million cap hit, but only a $3 million dead hit. So that's where gotcha. they would save. So next year, Logan Ryan is most likely on the books. Now, they could screw with that contract. You know, If at the end of the year they feel like he's still playing at a high level and they want to mess with that and – you know, I don't know. Shift some of that cap hit into 2023, and uh, dude, I don't know. I don't know a lot of the cap wizardry that happens. Uh, you know, but but I would say he's a candidate to have his contract screwed with or something. But 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 he's not a, he's not going to be in the same bucket as a James Bradbury, for example, where Correct. yeah, he you know would be on the chopping block most likely just because of the of the contract. Hmm. On that defense, I mean, right off the bat, I mean, you, you look at the defensive line, and I, I feel a little worried, right, that there's no depth. But, I mean, you can get depth for cheap. cheap. You can draft pretty cheap depth on the defensive line. Wow, that was a tough one to say. Um, <laughs> so, like, late-round draft picks can be effective at the defensive tackle position, especially if you're getting, you know, the big boys, the, the run stuffers. Well, especially um, if you're looking for depth in that. You're not looking for mm-hmm. starters, necessarily. You're looking for guys, rotational guys, back into the rotation. So... Yeah, you know, a fifth round pick, maybe somebody you can plug in there. You're not looking for a, you know, a generational run stopper there. Yeah. That's, that's not that's not what we're looking for. But at the, the same time, you, you have to understand that Dexter Lawrence is coming up towards the end of his contract. Uh, I think. 
Hang on. Yeah, uh, we have to figure out if we're exercising his fifth year option. So, and I tried to calculate those numbers, but I realized as I was doing it, it depends a lot on other, I mean, it depends entirely on other players' contracts. And essentially at the end of the year, if somebody gets a massive contract, a free agent, it's going to screw up all my calculations anyway. So I just gave up on that. (laughs) I mean, there's no way to really predict. I have no idea, you know, and it all depends on when they exercise and, you know, they have a big window to do it. So, you know, Dexter Lawrence is, you know, only going to be here through 2023, maybe. So if, if you think you're not going to re-sign him after exercising his fifth-year option, or if you're not going to exercise that at all, you have to start thinking about drafting high-level talent to replace him. Right, right. So there's that so as well. So it adds to the laundry list again of what your needs are. Right. And so which, I mean, Which is ever-growing. Yeah, and, and that, that conversation, by the way, is something that has to start internally with them and what they think about Dexter Lawrence. So, you know... I don't know what the coach's opinion of. I think he's effective, but maybe not in the top twenty of the draft. Effective, and and then again, let's you know keep this little bubble over this conversation. Is the guy ultimately making that decision? What they think his value is may not be in the Here. building. Yeah. Um. Now you know when we talk about depth on the defensive line, that doesn't worry me that much, but. I don't think we need depth in the edge room. I think we need a starter in the edge room. I mean, not yeah. just a starter. I mean, we need like a real difference maker. We kind of got lucky that uh, Aziz Ojolari has been as effective as he has in his rookie. I didn't expect that from him th- now already um, just because he's so young and he's kind of light. Uh, but he's been he's been pretty rock solid. But, you know, he's you pretty look, much just him. <laughs> do you look at edge rusher as, an, as of right now, and this, this is one of our oldest traditions, goes back even before this podcast, are top five draft needs. I mean, do you look at edge rusher as number one right now? I don't. Um, but I think it's like, I don't know, maybe it's 1B. You know what I mean? Like, if we were talking in, in a vacuum, you know, what do you want in the draft? Like, we're ignoring the cap, we're ignoring, and we're just thinking what's best for the future of this team. I right. think you could make a pretty serious argument for it, but I still think it's like 1B. What is your number one? Uh, name an offensive line position, except left tackle. I was going to say, yeah, but I mean, it, it, the question is, you know, we have two picks that conceivably be in the top ten. Right, and again, you know, we we talk we're, now we're, we're we're starting this conversation where I need to just as a disclaimer say we're talking about positions, but ultimately, cranky fan and I agree you're drafting players. So this goes without saying. There's a blanket statement. If there is a player at edge that is high graded, incredibly through the sky, and O line is your biggest need, you know what I mean? Like you're matching there. You're not going to do something dumb. And you're going to take the better, you know, you draft players, not positions, you know, so that goes without saying you're, you're right. And, and, um, again, it depends, you know, if that first pick is there and we're deciding between an edge rusher and a legitimate tackle that could play left tackle, but would absolutely be a shutdown on the right side. I mean, right there, you're talking about such a huge improvement to the offensive line. And the question then becomes, does the defense get that same boost to it had we if we pick the edge guy? And you also I, have to decide is protecting your franchise quarterback more or less important than wrecking some other team's franchise quarterback? To me, and this goes back to what we said several episodes ago, I think it was after the uh, the Rams lost that this team needs to think in the 21st century. And mm. 
to me, this is a league about offense more than it's a league about defense. There are there are great defenses out there still in the NFL, but the teams that are going to win, you know, Kansas City's getting out. They woke up from their slumber. You know, the Rams have an, have a great offense. You know, going forward, uh, Green Bay is you know with the record they have because of their offense and their quarterback. Uh, to me, you know, all things considered equal, I am fortifying that offensive line to do the things that we want to do, you know, offensively. I think you you want to make sure – I want to fortify that side of the, of, the, of the ball first. So that's what I would do personally. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll just go through the guys signed through 2022 on the offensive line. It'll be quick. Um, yeah. Andrew Thomas, Shane Lemieux, Nick Gates, Ben Bredesen, Matt Pear. That's a fucking disaster. That's terrible. I mean, I like Nick Gates a lot. I like Shane Lemieux a lot. Both of those guys are coming off of injuries. Nick Gates may not major, play again. Major injuries. Major. Yeah. And they were eh to start. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think Nick Gates still- is, is more than eh. I mean, he's he is going to win reps Pretty much some reps against even Aaron Donald. You know what I mean? He's he is good, but I mean he's not going to take over a game. I don't think. But there are, there are going to be games where he's going to win a lot more reps than he loses. He's he's a starter in this league, and I would say an average one. You know, it depends on where you're playing him too, because he can that's play I mean, fucking anywhere. But that's that's what I mean by eh. I mean I'm, yeah. I'm not saying he's a he should he would not be playing on a better team. I mean he, he's a starter, but he's again he's. Mm. As a starter goes, eh. I know. So for me, eh is Shane Lemieux because Lemieux, well, exactly. He's eh because what I've seen from him has been, okay, show me how you grow because this is something I can work with. Well, how he grows is he gets hurt. So now I don't know what happens because is he going to get better? Is he going to get worse? Because if he's getting worse, that's not something I can work with. You know what I'm saying? And then on the other side, you have Ben Bredesen, who, who was brought in here and immediately lost his friggin' job to Matt Scarra, who was a practice squad poach. I mean, that's no great shakes there. You know, Even Will Hernandez, this is the end of his contract, so he's not that great either. He's your average starter in this league, and we may not be able to afford to keep him. And then all the way attack, we have Matt well, Parrott. We still haven't seen like in real game reps because he hasn't even earned them yet over Nate Solder. Well, let's talk about Will Hernandez for a minute. You know, okay. we are like we were disappointed by Will Hernandez. We we didn't see that career, you know, growth that like we was hoping for. What makes us assume that we can't afford to resign him? I mean, is the rest of the league out there being like, you know, I'm going to put big money on a guy that's been wildly inconsistent? I, I think he might be a. I think he's played himself out of a nice deal into a range you might be able to afford to keep him. Well, actually, um, I, I, I don't think that we can't afford him. I, I was saying that we may not be able to afford him. Um, right. Um, Victor and I were discussing that he was an actual candidate to be re-signed for about $5 million a year, and we both agreed that he kind of earned that uh, somewhere around there, 5 to $6 million. And, you know, there is a chance that another team, not because he's, you know, they think he's worth more, but just maybe because 
they need the depth and they can afford to throw the extra million to get the guy that's better on the market. You know what I'm saying? Like if if yeah. he's go, I don't I don't know what the guard market is like. I haven't really looked because I know the Giants are going to be big spenders. So there's no reason for me to look before the season ends. Um, but if they feel like he's the best option for their system, you know maybe they don't think he's an eight million dollar guard. But if we're offering seven and a half and they can afford to give him eight, then you know and I'm pulling these numbers out of my ass, but. You get my point. You know what I mean? They'll overspend a little bit because they can and we can't. And we're the right. only competition for it as far as they know or what, you know, whatever his agent says. Um, but I think that you could bring back Will Hernandez and he would immediately be depending on – well, no. He would immediately be – no, actually, I, I right. Depending on what we see from Matt Parrott for the rest of this year – because we still haven't seen him in meaningful reps at the right tackle position, really. Um, if we brought back Will Hernandez, he would be the second best O lineman we had <laughs> behind Andrew Thomas. So think about that. That's uh, that's scary. And now we're we're talking about whether Nick Gates is going to be good coming off injury or Shane Lemieux is going to be good coming off injury. A. How about we talk about if they even can come back from injury, and B even if they can the chance of re-injury who is the depth behind them anyway like who's going to come in if they can't finish out a season because it's soreness or maybe they can't start the season because of rehab or whatever Uh, I mean we have to seriously consider that at the minimum three offensive line spots need upgrading and in some cases you could consider we have nobody there because we don't know if Nick Gates is going to play center here. And offensive line is probably the most expensive, you know, position on the open market to go just get somebody. It's not like getting someone you can pick up on the cheap. I mean, they cost money, offensive linemen, because everybody everybody needs them. They need starters. They need depth. So they're in high demand. It's going to cost to make you know, that many different potential additions. It's, it's going to be a killer. I mean, I really think the best case scenario here is that Matt Parrott shows up as a right tackle that we can depend on at the second half of the year. Don't count on that at all. And we can afford Will Hernandez to come back so that we only need to use two draft picks on left guard and center. I mean, that is the absolute best case scenario. And that means no depth anywhere. (laughs) Yeah, and that means you're basically going to have kind of two rookies starting next year. Next to each other. Yeah, it's, there's going to be an adjustment time. It's going to look shaky in the beginning of the year as they're learning how to be professionals and work together. And I'm going to kind of – no, not yet. Um, so that's a huge problem. Um, the other thing is, uh, I mean, just Daniel Daniel Jones is, is here to stay, right? At least for next year. There's no oh. – I, I don't even think for one second about any decisions with him. Okay. I mean, it's it's popular Giants Twitter talk to discuss quarterbacks, so I just thought I'd throw it out there. I don't think the I, drafting one is on the table. I so. think even even this draft class is not. There's no Trevor no. Lawrence out there. No. You know, there's no uh, you name it. Yeah, there's there. no Andrew Luck. There's no Peyton Manning. You know what I mean? Exactly. There's, exactly. So if if you know for some reason, you know, Chicago tanks and they end up with the, the first pick or something, or even, you know, us for some reason. There's nobody going to fall in our lap to say, you know, to do like what Arizona did, for example, with Kyler Murray. Hmm. You know, like, like what would you do in our situation? That's not going to happen. So to me, it, it, it's kind of a no-brainer that 
you're still riding. You're, you're, you pick up Daniel Jones' option for the fifth year. You play him and you see what happens with him. Now, that said, the Giants might be, even though they're not picking in the top three probably, they might still be, because of this quarterback draft class, I mean, if Matt Corral starts falling, and I I don't, I, I'm not really too into starting to grade guys or anything like that because it's way too early for that, but Matt Corral is a decent quarterback from Ole Miss. He's got a pretty darn good arm. He's pretty accurate. Um, you know, if the Giants are picking like, 12 or something and he's still on the board now you're talking picks now you're talking money how do we trade well i I don't think he's dropping to 12 i mean uh, it's just my point i mean maybe the giants aren't considering a quarterback where they're at even if a guy starts following but other teams might come calling so oh i see what you're saying yeah yeah, yeah. it's about trading the pick away yeah i mean quarterback you know even if you're not 100 percent in love with daniel jones He's playing well enough that they are quarterback is not one of the major needs to improve this team. Hmm. I don't think right now it's even one of the top five things need to be improved on this team that you can go out and and get through the draft. I mean, we talked about it: offensive line, edge rusher, linebacker. All these things are uh, cornerback. You know, uh, depth. Yeah, depth. For example, these things are all bigger needs right now than quarterback. And even at the level that Daniel Jones is playing right now, even if you're the biggest, most negative Daniel Jones guy out there right now, you have to admit that, that those other positions are a bigger need. So to, you know, take a draft pick away from all these other things to try to upgrade a position that's, at least I think, in my opinion, very passable and I see a potential future with, I think it's crazy. And I think it's, it, it, it would set this franchise back. In a, in a time where we can't be afford to be set back any further than we are. Yeah, absolutely. I don't. I don't take that opinion unequivocally. Like, if there was a Kyler Murray in this draft, I obviously don't think that it sets you back. But if you if you start screwing around with this stuff when there's no clear cut guy, then you're just screwing around at that point, in my opinion. Right. Right. I agree. Um, um, I would say I'm even more worried about tight end than I am quarterback. I mean, we're looking at a Kyle Rudolph who's been super duper unimpressive this year. Um, and, and, Part, and a lot of that was not his fault, too. I mean, again, I, mean, it's, we, I don't care about fault, whether it's his fault or not. I mean, it's a position. I, I'm speaking strictly from a business perspective here. I mean, like, yeah. the fact yeah. that he's coming back does not instill any confidence in me that he's going to be any more or less effective. You know what I mean? Like, he's just been a whatever guy. Um, right. And then behind that is Caden Smith, who, you know, I, I like, but he's your average tight end at best. Um, Isn't it? And, and Rice and John, who I actually think is intriguing, um, but tore his ACL in preseason. So, pff, I mean, what? Yeah, who, that, who, that's, yeah. So, so that's our tight end room next year. Because, I mean, we both agree Evan Ingram, even if we could afford him, I don't know. I mean, he might come back simply because there's no options. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, somebody out there will take a chance on him. Oh, for sure, yeah. I, I think, honestly, we'd probably pick up a tight... I don't think this team needs a super incredible athletic tight end. Is that, like, a weird take to have? Like, if we just had two well, normal-ass tight ends that could block and run decent routes, is that not good enough with this wide receiver room? I think it's to be determined based on who the offensive coordinator is in 2022. Obviously, yeah. 
I mean, but I just you know, mean as a, as a general philosophy, does a team need to have a stretch-the-field tight end? Is that a necessity? Like you need a quarterback with an arm. You know what I mean? Like Most, most, most don't have one. I just – I think – I know that this is like a side thing and I also know that Evan Ingram was not Dave Gettleman's draft choice and Evan Ingram can't help where he's drafted either so this isn't a shot on him. But if you're doing this whole like – Barkley thing and you're just like we're gonna hog molly it like why was there no why did it take until like this offseason to get a guy that you think can block which also by the way Kyle Rudolph does not pride himself on his blocking just because he's better than Evan Ingram at blocking does not mean he's known as a block he was a he was a pass catching tight end at Notre Dame you know what I mean like he can block he's fine you know what I mean I think it, I think it took him a long time to realize that a guy like Evan Ingram isn't reliable I think they, you know... But he doesn't even fit into the mold of what they're doing. And again, I know DG didn't draft him, but there was no effort to get a guy that fits into that mold. Yeah. Well, I guess they figure there's other needs that they needed to worry about. <laughs> and I guess Kyle Rudolph is the only guy that was left when they were, you know, trying to get another tight end. I, I don't know. I mean, we could do a whole post... When, when the Dave Gettleman regime is over, I'm sure we'll do... A very very lengthy episode on the positives and negatives of Dave Gettleman, and consistency from one year to the next in philosophy of how they're building this roster will be a topic that we talk about for a great amount of time. And this I, is one example of that. Yeah, yeah. I, I might do like a whole compilation of like every every action we've ever had to every DG move. That would be kind of interesting, but it would take me a shitload of time. Uh, <laughs> it's a long off season. There'll be no playoffs for us to be shortening it either. So, Ouch, ouch. Um, I honestly am thinking about this now, and this is like, I don't know, 65% tongue-in-cheek, but like if the Giants just picked up two undrafted free agent blocking tight ends, I feel like they'd get more out of that if they just did that and committed to it and use them to mostly block and you just let Kyle Rudolph and Caden Smith be your receiving guys or whatever. Um they would get more out of that than trying to get the in-between guy. You know what I mean? Like just, just you don't just have think, room for it this year. Just get two blocking guys. Work with that. You got a receiving guy in Caden Smith. Cut Kyle Rudolph to save some money. Work with the running thing. I don't know. I, I don't think you need to have – when you have an offense with Kenny Galladay – Darius Slayton is still signed through next year. Sterling Shepard is still signed through next year. Kadarius Toney, obviously, signed through next year. You still have Colin Johnson, who's been somewhat useful uh, these last couple games. Uh, you know, I think that's plenty of receiving weapons. You know, well, and, uh, we've, we've, we've never been able to have all those guys on the field at the same time. I so. understand that, but, I mean, you can't... And also, I, I think that, you know... To basically say that we are going to get very little production from the tight end spot by going with, you know, blocking tight ends, I... No, I'm saying you're getting... You're not going to get straight up tight end production, but I think the offense as a whole will get more production from it than trying to 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 get a guy in the middle rounds that, that can, you know, potentially be more of a dual receiving and also blocking thing... But, but you know, getting that guy in that middle rounds is now ignoring other needs is what I'm saying. Well, so that's where, I, that's where I was going towards. It's like, again, I think there are more needs in this team. You know, mm-hmm. bigger concerns than worrying about, you know, that type of, of, of tight end. It'd be, it's one of those it'd be nice to have if we were a more complete roster. Maybe you, you're emphasizing that more, maybe even a higher, 
you know, round to get an elite guy. But I think there's, again, so many other holes that have to be filled that are on this holes now and expectant holes once we do some purging that I think it's just a very, very low priority right now. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But uh, also, I think just from a philosophy standpoint, I think I think that's the best way to approach it and make them still effective. That's just me. Yeah, that to me, again, that's a little bit of a TBD based on who's going to be, you know, running this offense next year. Yeah. Um, you know, we kind of went over the receivers. Um, I feel pretty good there for next year. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I think you'll have a year where, you know, it should not be that much of a circus for Kadarius Tony the next off season as it was this off season. Uh, you know, may hopefully we get these guys healthier. I mean, I'm, I'm never going to expect to see a completely healthy wide receiver room. There's always going to be somebody who's going to be banged up. That's the nature of football. And that seems to be the nature of this, you know, core of what we have. Um, but overall, I, I feel, I feel pretty solid with them. In the backfield, even 2022, the New York Killer Bees uh, remain. Saquon Barkley, Devontae Booker, and Gary Brightwell all returning for 2022. I'm fine with that. It's fine. I had nothing really I mean, there. I mean, you know, they're not going to – I I think people are like, well, what if we traded Barkley? What can we get for him? The answer is probably not much. Now? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, coming off another fluke injury? I mean, at this point, exactly. there's no – yeah. So, I mean, you know, if people aren't ha- – people – let's put it this way. People that were not happy with the draft pick, you know, three years ago are the ones who are making up these crazy draft uh, trade scenarios to get rid of him. Um, the fact well, is – Well, I think I think before he got hurt, I mean, you could have made a good case. Like, I mean, yeah, I think you could make a good case that you could trade him and get more – I mean, I don't know. I I, I – We've we've done the Barkley thing like so often that it's not even it's it just is what and now that he's been hurt again he's here I mean that's he's well, going to stay that's, so that's my point my point is that people that are like well what could we get for him I think you just need to shut that talk down because the answer is probably next to nothing mm-hmm. at this point and again he's and then of- all that you would do is is let him be good on another team that's that's what happens to te- that's what Tampa Bay does. Guys cut Leonard Fournette's and they take him or whatever. You know what I mean? Right, exactly. Yeah. So, speaking of the rest of the league, the NFC East had a clean sweep. I mean, geez, brooms everywhere. The Cowboys took care of business with the Falcons, 43-3. Washington surprised Tampa Bay and I I guess the rest of the world, 29-19. And the Eagles beat the hapless Broncos, 30-13. I think people are making, like, way too much out of this weekend. Uh, yes and no. I think making way too much out of Washington. I think Washington is, I think they're cooked. I mean, losing Chase Young for the year is a major, 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 major hit. They're playing with backup quarterbacks. You know, I don't think it's Heineke time anymore. I mean, it was a nice win against Tampa Bay, but this is a fluky league. Yeah, that was a fluky game. Did you watch it? Every uh, possible lucky bounce was going Washington. Every balls were bouncing off of hands. I mean, Tampa Bay couldn't have looked more out of sync than they. I, that was not. I don't want to take anything away from Washington, but I mean, it just sometimes the ball rolls your way, and they came prepared. And Tampa Bay I mean, came in flat. Antonio Brown didn't play. You know what I mean? Like they had a couple guys not play. So, I mean, if you look at this league, every single team 
looks like they have so far after nine, ten weeks, one game where they had no business winning and they do, and one game they had no business losing and they do. I mean, that's just the way this league is now. You know, there's less practice. You know, when you, you know, with the, the Thursday night game, you're you're shuffling up uh, practice schedules and things. You know, there's still COVID out there with some guys having to miss time and stuff. It's just wonky. So, does one individual week tell a story? I'm I'm going to project into the future. No, but I definitely see some trends for things that are making me start to think. Like Philadelphia, for example. Probably time I start saying every single episode how awful they are, and this is the start of a nine-game losing streak because they're frisky. Uh, you know. Again, you know, we're talking about the Von Millerless Broncos at this point. That's okay. It's a team that beat us with Dump Von Miller. <laughs> you know, at home. That's my point. We had to face them with Von Miller. Yeah, but the, the Eagles didn't. <laughs> right, but the point is they're winning. I mean, they're, these are games that they are winning. Yeah, it was also my, my the first is, my, game of the season. I mean, there, there's my, so my, many things. My, my point is, you know, there's been enough now for this season that I thought Philly would be one of the three worst teams in the league. They are not. Well, but, I didn't I didn't think Detroit would. I, I knew Detroit was going to be an absolute shit show, but I didn't think they'd be as bad as they are. And, and nothing is more perfectly Detroit than the best effort they can give is a tie. Um, I think too much is being made out of Dallas as well, uh, a little bit. Look, Dallas has a really good offense. No one is going to tell you otherwise. They've had some good defensive plays. I think the bigger thing is that people can't just shut the fuck up. I mean, really, like, we have to have, like you're saying, these one-game opinions. We have it about every friggin' team. The Falcons were the worst team in the league. Then they were, oh, we totally misjudged the Falcons because they won, like, three games in a row. And then they go to Dallas, a team that's actually good, and they get the crap kicked out of them. And then we're kind of like, oh, Dallas is fantastic. Did you see the way he handled Falcons? No, maybe we're just right the first time. Atlanta's not that good. They're okay. They're okay, and they played a really good team. No one was going to tell you Dallas wasn't a really good team. I just don't think that they're the class of the league because they shut down a terrible Atlanta team. They're not good. You know what I mean? And just because they beat us means nothing. I mean, we're not good. I think Dallas is the second best team in the conference. Maybe. I mean, I I think, you know, if push comes to shove, I actually, in my power ranking for the NFC, I have Green Bay, Dallas, Tampa Bay. And then the Rams. I, I, I think Tampa Bay is better, personally. The, Tampa Bay's, you know, their secondary is awful. I said that last year. I'm awful. done with that. I'm, I can't take that. I said that last year when nobody else was saying it, like all year. And then when we got to the playoffs talk, I, I slammed my hand on the table. I was like, this secondary sucks. They're not going to win. Well, and all of a sudden, the secondary played lights out for the rest of the playoffs. Well, we, we, well, we said that two years ago. We were at that game in Tampa. Remember, like, they couldn't stop anybody. and They couldn't you know, stop us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, and, and most of the elements of that secondary carried over to last year, too. Well, not the coach. Coach? No, they Todd, had what's his name? Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles was there last year. He wasn't there when the Giants played them. He wasn't he was, there two years ago? No, he was a Jets head coach then, wasn't he? No, uh, I think he was... Rob Sellers just taking the job. Oh, wait. Adam Gates was no, there. No, no. Gates was there. Oh, maybe Todd Bowles was there two years I, ago. I think How this, about I that think shit? This, I think this is Bowles' third year. Yeah, you might be right. Let's see. 
doing my instant research. But I mean, also three years ago, the, every, even if they're the same players, they were a lot younger. And I think like Vernon Hargreaves yeah. was in the secondary at the time. Like it yeah, wasn't our, exactly but, but the same. Point, but our point was, it was horrible then. It wasn't good last year, and it's still not good this year. Yeah. It's you know, and good. I know, and I know the Rams are now a hit pick because they keep, you know, they're doing like what the Bucks do. It's like it seems like they have an, an endless salary cap, and they keep getting names and you know fantasy names that sound good, but. I'm just not sold on them yet. I'm just I'm not sold on Matthew Stafford until he proves to me he's a winner. I don't think the Rams are that good. Yeah, that's why I have them fourth in my power ranking. I don't the think end. they even looked that good against us, and they kicked the shit out of us. I mean, they should have. I mean, that game. I mean, they looked like an above-average team. You know. Yeah. That, again, I I don't. I don't think they're going to win their division. I mean, clear. I think Arizona is going to take the, the. I don't even know if Dallas can beat Arizona. Uh, did they play ready this year? Oh, it's a good point. I don't know. Did they? They might have. And did they like beat they them? Did. They, they played them and beat them? Well, Arizona's a fluky team, too. I mean, they kind of were like, what's going on with this? And then they just started winning out of control. I don't know. They might have played. Doesn't matter. I, uh, if they had to play again in the playoffs, I don't know that Dallas could beat them again. They actually play um, on January 2nd. They play in Dallas. Okay, so they didn't play yet. That's correct. Um, yeah, I don't think the Rams are going to win the division for starters. I, I'm not high on them. And I, I, it's not even the Matt Stafford thing so much. It's just I, – I don't – and I said this when we previewed that game. I don't think their defense is that good. I mean, people like to rave about it. I don't think it's that great. I think it's fine. Yeah, so that's uh, that's that's going to be it for this one. Um the Giants had a nice bye week. We'll catch up on all the practice stuff and uh, all that. For our preview episode, we're playing Monday night, Tampa Bay. It's a big deal, I guess. Um, we're gonna see Tampa Bay what they're what they're made of. This is our this is our big rivalry. That's not a rivalry. Yeah, of course it's a big deal. It's uh, you know it's the Valari Bowl, and do people out there know what I'm talking about? Know what I'm talking about? Uh, you know, I am from Tampa. It's a big rivalry for me. Uh, we've had you know over the last thirty years some really good games against Tampa Bay, and. Uh, yeah, I want to win this game badly. You know, for, forget Brady. I could care less about Brady. For I, you know, they're the Super Bowl champs, and it's a it's a measuring stick. You want to see where you are. It's a it's another opportunity to lose in a primetime game, which I'd like to break that streak <laughs> if we could. Um, and let's see what we can do. I mean, we're catching Tampa Bay on a little bit of a lull right now. They probably, you know, look, they won the Super Bowl last year. They're going to make the playoffs this year. They're probably in a little bit of the doldrums right now. A little bored, maybe. Maybe we, we pick them off. You, you never know. So uh, if we do win this game, though, we, we still have dreams of the playoffs, maybe? Absolutely. I mean, if you, if, you beat, if you beat last year's Super Bowl winner, who's got a huge winning record, is leading the NFC South, um, I think you have dreams of the playoffs because, A, it's mathematically available, and you just accomplished that. So, well, that's, yeah. what that's, that's what I'm talking about, for the mathematical part. I think. Well, it's I both. Think I, it's a combo. Just because it's I, mathematical doesn't mean you have dreams for it, but, I, I mean, mathematical, I and you come off of what, that's like three straight wins for them? Yeah. I just saw something on Twitter a couple of days Maybe. ago. It was, I think if we win and someone loses, we're like only a game out of the wild card, possibly? Yeah, I mean... Yeah. Everybody's kind of hovering around that middle. Just because a team started hot or got hot doesn't mean that they are. 
there's a lot of mediocrity in this league, and there's a lot of like I said. And I just think it's too early to separate the cream from the crop. I think right now you know the the really goods and the really bads, and everything else in between. We don't know enough yet. I think a lot of it's. I think a lot of it in the middle is a lot of mediocrity. I mean, you watch it. Of course, it's in the middle, but you don't know which is which. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I I think, you know, there may be a team that's kind of like Tampa Bay last year. They were kind of middling along until Thanksgiving before they took off. They 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 started hot and then they hit a middle road that was a lull and then they just turned it on. Right. But did you ever this time last year? Did you think this team was that team was a Super Bowl team? I didn't. That this time last year, I don't know if I, I want to say I didn't, but I don't know who I thought was. I mean, obviously <laughs> Kansas City, but who did I think from the NFC at this time? I don't know. Maybe Green Bay, maybe yeah. New Orleans, probably. So the 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 point is that there's somebody out there that's probably lurking in the mediocrity bubble of teams that's going to go on a big run. Uh, I'm not saying that's going to be us. It'd be really nice, but I I, I think you know. It's a little early, like you said, to say, you know, this is what we think is going to be in the Super Bowl because I think it's a, a lot of football and there's too much unknown right now. We just have to let it play out, and that's what makes it fun. Right, so that Tampa Tampa Bay game, we're going to record that episode Sunday night because it's a Monday night game. So the preview will be available with the most up-to-date information, and that will be Monday morning for you guys. Uh, so we will see you then. Until then, go Giants. Go Giants.